Welcome back to another week of the Post-Sermon Reflections podcast. Uh, We're taking a pause from what we consider our regular post-sermon reflection, and we're going to take a pause to have a conversation about Christmas. We are just a few weeks into, uh, we're about a week into December, and we're marching towards Christmas. And there's something really beautiful that happens in, in Christmas. There's also something that sometimes we get distracted from the meaning of Christmas. And so I'm here with my brother in Christ, Benjamin. Say hi, Benjamin. Hi, Benjamin. Ah, what's up, brother? Ah, classic. Classic. You got me. You got me again. All right. So we're going to have an awesome conversation today just about um, what God has to say about his coming here on earth. Um, but before we get started, I want to tell you guys a fun fact about St. Nicholas. Formerly, the legend says that that's who Santa Claus is. Um I don't think St. Nicholas would say that about himself uh, if he was here today, but St. Nicholas was born in 280 AD in what would be considered modern-day Turkey, Um, and he was known for his generosity, and he was known for his kindness. Um, And one of the cool facts about St. Nicholas uh, that I thought was really fascinating is one of, like, his best stories is that he had the opportunity to save three girls from going into slavery, Mm. possibly prostitution, and provided the money for their dowry so that they could they could be married. What a stud. Yeah, so St. Nicholas, we have some stories that we'll tell you about him to, uh, here and at the end, but um, he was a man known for, for generosity and defending the faith as well. And so I'm assuming he'd be upset with how, of the image that's been made of him. Yeah. Um, because Christmas right now in modern-day America does not stand Um for what I think Christians would say is worth being celebrated. And Ben, I'd be curious from your thoughts of growing up, like what, when you were a kid, what did Christmas mean to you as, as an eight-year-old boy? Uh, getting the toys that I wanted. <laughs> yeah. What did you get when you were eight? When I was eight? Ugh, come on, Ruth. That's not fair. Um, any of the main, <laughs> any of the main I just remember one year. age eight I just remember 13. one year getting like tons of Star Wars action figures. Like, okay. I don't know. Star Wars like ran through these action figures, like put tons of them one okay. year. Um, and then like once I got onto the video game life, that kind of controlled me. Yeah. But every, I feel- Every <laughs> year was the newest video game. Yeah. Yeah. And the question we ask kids- Is what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? As yeah. in it's just like this time that you receive- Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, it's like Christmas is like extremely consumeristic. Yeah. And it's extremely almost like selfish. It's, and obviously there's a lot of selflessness in Christmas as it's like, it's an opportunity to serve and love others. It's an opportunity to give to other people. But at the end of the day, it's ultimately like extremely consumeristic. And it's all about what can I receive? And it's all about his businesses trying to make loads of money. Mm. Um, and it's just all about like this show that is put on. Yeah. Um, and so we see it all the way around. Um, and the emphasis is on gifts. Um, the emphasis is on like Santa Claus and this, mm-hmm. these reindeer. Uh, but then there's yeah. also like even good emphasis is, as well that we see. Like, we like see charity. And- charity, um, the value of family. Yeah. Um, like those are things that come out around the holidays that are also really good. Uh, but the the Christian convictions of like what Christmas is um, kind of almost becomes an afterthought or just like a, oh yeah that's a thing we also uh, we also do yeah 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 we have we have statements on the back of our cars that, that says keep Christ in Christmas uh, yeah. because we sometimes get upset that people make Christmas politically correct by saying happy holidays but th- my question my pushback is to say do we actually marvel yeah at what Christmas is about if we're so offended by people saying happy holidays totally fine yeah. I guess be offended. But the reality is like, are we people that are marked 
yeah. by the story of Christmas and the story of what we say we're celebrating. And that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. And it's crazy because like you need, like this, the whole season is actually de- designed for that, right? So like yeah. in the in the church calendar, like you have the story, like the season of Advent, mm. which is like weeks prior to Christmas. But the, the whole idea of Advent is like this idea that you're setting your mind and your heart daily towards the coming celebration, actually what it would be. Um, a coming celebration of Christ. Like it's this this anchor season in the similar as you have like Easter as like the season before Christ's death and resurrection um, that you celebrate. Um, before Advent is that season before Christmas that we are like called to call our hearts and our minds unto seeing Christ and marveling at Christ and to worshiping Christ. And that's actually where we're in right now. Yeah. Mm, so good. And so Advent is a time of waiting. And so as we're getting into that conversation, I want to ask, what is the Christmas story? What should the Christian's life be centered around uh, when it comes to celebrating this reality? Yeah. So obviously there's a, a Christmas story that we're, we're told, uh, most of us growing up, um, and the story of God appearing to do the angel Gabriel to Mary, uh, Mary being a virgin, um, engaged to <laughs> some teenage guy. Um, so she's also a teenager. And God telling her that even as a virgin, she'll have a baby. Um, and that baby will be uh, the son of God, Emmanuel. Um, then God also, an angel appearing to Joseph and telling Joseph the same truth. Um, and both of them taking that with faith. Yeah. And so she has the baby and there's no room in the inn. Uh, so yeah. she has it around some animals yeah. in a barn. Um, and that baby coming in humility. Um, and then you have the story of the wise men who are coming. Uh, so that's a story as we're told. Uh, but just the the true st- the story is if you just like pull back another layer in it on just like reading scripture is that like God actually became a man mm. through the womb of Mary. Yeah. And so like we think about two thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and the, the Old Testament is like showing God all through it. Um, and the Old Testament's the the story of the people of Israel, uh, but God over them and how God's interaction uh, with them and that God becomes a man in the womb of Mary. Like that's what's happening in the incarnation. Like this God who's in, in society, in the world, um, who the Jewish people know enters into the womb of a Jewish woman. And so that Jesus Christ um, is fully God and fully man, not part God and part man. Yeah. Um, not, ha- not half and half, not yeah. God who's like a man or man who's like God yeah. is fully God and fully man. Like our, our minds can't comprehend it. Yeah. It's not a man in right relationship with God. Yeah. Um, which is important. It's an important distinction. It's something yeah. that is spoken in uh, Christianity today. And so it, we're here, not just set the record straight as if we're the only ones doing it, yeah. but church history would say it's fully God and it's fully man. And that is an important leap of faith we have to take in our belief about who Jesus <laughs> is. And yeah. And so we, we see that uh, in John chapter one, it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then jump down to Verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the word is Christ. Christ was with God and Christ was God. So oneness and differentness, right? Sameness and differentness, both in that in that verse. And then that Christ becomes man. And so you see the Trinity and then you see Christ becoming man. Um, but Christ was fully God and, and fully man. Uh, a story of Jesus's own life that I think highlights that really well would be when Jesus calms the water. And I'm just thinking... I'm remembering this story right now, so I don't actually have the reference off the top of my head. Feel free to Google it, whoever's listening to this, if you're not driving. Uh, But in the story that Jesus calms the water, we see that Jesus is sleeping at the back of the boat, um, and he's sleeping. 
Like Jesus is literally asleep while his disciples are rowing this boat and getting this boat over the Sea of Galilee, um, which sleeping is a act of humanity, right? Um, in the Psalms, it says that God never sleeps nor slumbers. And so like God doesn't sleep, but Jesus is showing that he's a human by yeah. being tired, yeah. by sleeping. Um, but then when his disciples go and beg to him and call him out, um, they're like, help us, we are perishing. He calms the sea instantly. And then they say, who is this? Like, even the winds and the sea obey him. Mm. And it's like in that one story, you see the humanity of Christ and the divinity of Christ. That God, that Christ is both God and that he is both man. And so that God and man in the story of Christmas is actually being born through a virgin, which is a crazy, miraculous thing mm. in itself. Um, and that, that's a story that we celebrate. Yeah. Mm. That's so good. And so one of the questions that I ask when I think about my faith is like, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why was it so painful? But I think there's like a similar question to be asked here. Like I get like really upset to be like, why did it have to hurt so much? Like, it just feels, feels unnecessary, God, that it was that deep. Yeah. But like the question of like, why, why the incarnation? Like, why was this the necessary method for our salvation? Yeah. Um, and what, like, what does that form in us? That being the necessary method. Yeah. And so like, our sin has separated us from God fundamentally. And so like, all of us who are, who are listening to this right now, we were born in sin. We were born in iniquity. Um, and that separates us from God. And so we have like this eternal chasm that stands between us and God. Um, and there's no way that we can reconcile it and get back to it. So like think of like the Grand Canyon and like imagine yeah. the Grand Canyon in your head and like there's two rims that are like, you can go visit the Grand Canyon. It's like the North Rim and the South Rim. Imagine like God's on the North Rim of the Grand Canyon and we are on the South Rim of the Grand Canyon. Like we can like try to do our best works. We can like try to get and like try to jump from rim yeah. to rim or whatever. Uh, but like, it's impossible. Like there's this massive chasm that stands between us. Um, it's so much even bigger than that illustration. Um, and so the only way for that chasm to to be met for God to reach us, for us to have salvation is that God would become a man. And so God and man stood completely separated from each other because of sin. God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so Jesus Christ, when he came into the world, being fully man and fully God, he came so that being both of those, that he can reconcile with both God and man, yeah. that he can be God to men and that he can be man to God. And so like you think of Jesus Christ, um, He's our prophet, he's our priest, and he's our king, right? The prophets were God speaking on behalf. Like yeah. prophets were speaking on the behalf of God and then priests were speaking on the behalf of man. They were rec they were representing man to stand before God and prophets were rec like representing God to stand before man. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus Christ is both our prophet and our priest. He represents us, he brings us to God, but he also brings God to us. Mm -hmm. And so he's fully God and fully man. And that was the only way that it was possible. Um, and eventually Christ was the, the miracle of the incarnation is the beginning of a whole reconciling life mm. that would eventually lead to the cross. And so then on the cross, he took on the wrath of God. And so on the cross, because of the incarnation, Jesus can take on the wrath of God on behalf of man and survive. Like he can take on God's full wrath and survive being God, yeah. but also being man, he can represent man. And so he's literally is the glue and the bridge that brings God and man back together. Mm. Our perfect mediator. Our perfect mediator. Mm. I feel like that might have been a mouthful. No, no, I think that I think that was really good. And I, 
I think when I when I hear that, I I recognize that there's so much I cannot fully understand. Meaning, like we're not talking yeah. about two plus two. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not able to get two oranges and two oranges next to each other and be like, I can count four oranges. <laughs> meaning, like that's how we think about like the the things that are important to us. Mm-hmm. We try to understand them fully and. What we don't understand, we don't just throw in the trash, yeah. um, but we let God work in and work through so that yeah. we may worship him. Um, that there is beautiful mysteries that the Christian faith is based on, and we have to acknowledge that, and we have to acknowledge the gap that e- that needs faith. Yeah. To say, I trust what you say about yourself. Like, so then, like, when we talk about this, it's like, <laughs> this is like not stuff that you say like logically fits yeah. our head, right? And like, it's not rational. And so, like, how do you, when people object to you and they're like, hey, Ruth, like, how do you believe that? That doesn't make any sense. Like, how do you believe that? That's impossible. It's either 50-50. Like, like yeah. how do you believe that? How do you reconcile that? Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. It's not a question I get asked a ton in evangelistic conversations, mainly because there's a ton of other things <laughs> that they're worried about. Yeah. Um, mainly they're worried about what costing what costing believing in Jesus means. I mean, like the conversations I have more than anything is yeah. I'm going to have to give this up. Yeah. Meaning, meaning the, they can't behold the beauty of God. Yeah. And so it, it's like, oh, if I say yes to Jesus, um, yeah. like I have a, I have a family member who um, says that they, they, they don't want to follow Jesus and following Jesus would mean that they would not have, they would not be able to agree uh, with the lifestyle of other family members. And so that, therefore, they don't want to think about who Jesus is because they don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to agree um, with the lifestyle of another family member. And so, I think in that conversation, like anything, I would I would go to a a belief that they have that also takes faith. Yeah. Um, in the sense that I would try to find common ground to explain that the whole world is based off of faith. Yeah. For us to pretend that we are just fully naturalist, um, and that <laughs> there yeah. is like like the fact that gravity works. Yeah, we can continue to throw apples, but like you can't tell me that you like fully understand gravity. Yeah. You, can, you fully understand how like the sun doesn't move an inch closer or an inch further away to freeze us or to burn us. Yeah. But it's held within this um, power Crazy. force yeah. that keeps us that we can actually enjoy the sun because the the sun is within right boundaries. And we, yeah. we know that's because God keeps the sun within right boundaries mm-hmm. so that we can enjoy it for what it is, which is created to to warm us. It's created to tell us when the day is. Um, and so I think I would try to find common ground to, to talk about expressed faith that they experience every day, yeah. every time they get in a car, every time, like, meaning like almost the common grace yeah. that exists within That's life. Good. Um, that would be my, cause I think in conversations like that, my goal is to, to get them to understand that like we're on the same page. Uh, we're just choosing mm-hmm. one thing or the other. Um, and at the end of the day, I think, I don't think Billy Graham talked about this. Like, at the end of the day, we're going to find out who's right. Yeah. And that's hard. Like, that's a hard, I don't say it's like, that's my, like, my silver bullet in any way. But like, when I leave a conversation with someone who is really wrestling um, with maybe some of the beliefs, um, I remember talking to a a Jewish man who wasn't a Jewish man by religion, but was a Jewish man ethnically. um, And we, and he didn't really believe in the Bible in like a literal sense, really in any way. Mm -hmm. And we left that conversation and I shook his hand and I said, Hey, one of us is going to be right in the end. Um, and I, uh, I, yes, I hope it's me, but I'm worried if it's, if it's me as well for your sake. Mm-hmm. And that's just a reality of like, we have to believe something. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah. I, I think that's really good. It's like you, everyone believes in something that has like lives with some form of faith. Um, I also feel like when we talk about this stuff, like 
it doesn't naturally f- logically fit our mind. Yeah. But it's like we should respond and actually worship and awe and reverence actually instead of doubt when it comes to that. Because first of all, like if we actually believe in a God who is so infinitely greater than us that he, mm-hmm. he has literally created and sustained the universe and the galaxies and everything within it, which is so much yeah. like that God would be like so much bigger and beyond us that like we won't be fully able to understand it. Yeah. Like yeah. think about, I think like illustrations of like God being a four dimensional object. Like mm-hmm. we can't even, yeah. you can't imagine a four dimensional object. Think about God, like in heaven, there's going to be colors that you can't, that, that don't exist on this earth. Like you can't even imagine a color that doesn't exist on this earth. Yeah. Like you don't have the ability to do that. Yeah. You can't imagine a four dimensional object. You yeah. do not have the ability to do that. And like, cause God is so much greater and more grand than us. And so of course, like our rationalistic minds might not be able to understand mm-hmm. it, but that's actually beautiful and worshipful because we don't want to worship a God like who we can just logically understand. Yeah. And so yeah, it's yeah. not like we can rationally reduce him, uh, but it's also not, it's like it's irrational, right? Because yeah. actually when you like, if you get into more of the weeds, you realize that this is actually beautiful and it makes everything else make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which we can get into some weeds next week. Yeah. No, we're excited. We're excited to, to, to buckle up, um, some would say. And so one other question that I have, um, is what does this show us about God? Um, yeah. How does this show something beautiful about God's character towards humanity um, that really can cause us to worship? Yeah. I think ultimately there's a lot to it. Like there's so much that the incarnation shows us. Um, I think right now I would say the two things are that God is a God who condescends and that bends down to us. Mm. And a, a guy, God is a God who um, is sympathetic with our weaknesses. Mm. Um, and is with us and down to us. And so yeah. again, like the incarnation is God becoming man. Yeah. Like it's not man becoming God. It's God becoming man, taking on mm. human flesh. Yeah. Um, I think that. And that human, the- and that, that man is sinful and separated. Mm. That man does not deserve anything. And so just like the idea, like this big and ultimate God mm. is coming down to us and like is entering the womb of a virgin. Like this, God, who literally actively holds and sustains the universe, is going to be grow up as a little boy in like some poor Jew- Jewish family mm. in the northern part of Israel. Like yeah. that's that's what God became, and like this is the, the same God of the Old Testament. Yeah. So this God who's big and mighty and powerful, and who can like kill nations with a snap of his fingers, like that's the God who like was raised into a family into his own people. And so we see what in the incarnation shows us ultimately is that God is a God who wants to come down and walk with his people, a God who desires relationship with his people, a God who wants that. Um, And that shows us the love of God to us, that God cares and he's sympathetic with us. And even more so, how Christ came also shows us that God came and he's sympathetic with our weakness. Like God became man and he came into a poor family. Like it would have been like it would have been so awesome if, right? It could be glamorous if, like, God came into like some rich, wealthy family that you might imagine him to, like being born in some like golden thing or something. Like, mm-hmm. but he came like to the poor that he can empathize, empathize with their weaknesses, that he can he can walk among them, um, and that's a comfort to us, right? Like Hebrews talks about, he was tempted in every way that we are. Again, like God comes down to us. He feels the pain that we feel. He walks the paths that we walk. Mm-hmm. He struggles with the struggles that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. 
ultimately so that he can just bring us back to him and have eternal life in him. Mm, That's so good. Uh, When I served in a ministry called Young Life, they adapted even the message, further adaption. (laughs) And the message says the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And they said, God put skin on and moved into the neighborhood. And there's just like this beautiful reality to say. Just think about like how crazy that is. (laughs) I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, bonkers. Think about God who literally holds the universe entering in and just living as a human being Mm. and like fully being a human being. Like Jesus never actively held the universe, stopped holding the universe and upholding the universe. Yeah. Like Jesus. But he needed to take a nap. Like, yeah, yeah. Why Jesus is eight years old. Like this guy is like sustaining the universe, but then he's also taking a nap. It's insane. It's insane. And I think I'm, I like you am overwhelmed by the kindness of God um, to show himself coming near um, to what he didn't have to come near to. Um, and yeah. we th- we see throughout the, all the Old Testament that God is trying and, and is succeeding, but there's brokenness in people and his final, his, his plan was that Jesus would come, but he has consistently been moving towards broken people Amen. and drawing them to himself. And so the narrative of who God is, is that he is moving towards broken people and drawing them to himself in his redemptive plan. Um, and there's something beautiful, something beautiful in that. And so this is just the intro to this conversation of kind of what is Christmas and how should we be changed by Christmas. Yeah. Um, and so next week we're going to talk about um, a little bit of what um, the incarnation really means yeah. kind of on a theological on a theological basis and to say, hey, man, how does that inform our worship? How does it change the way that we we look at who Jesus is? But we have a really awesome story to tell you, a fun fact. Someone say about um, St. Nicholas again. So we started the podcast with St. Nicholas and we're going to end the podcast with St. Nicholas. That he is a defender of the faith. Yes. So if it help, if it helps comfort you guys, Santa Claus believes in these same truths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But St. Nicholas, uh, he believed that Jesus Christ was both fully God and fully man, mm. and he was willing to defend it. Mm. So in the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. Which Ben uh, knew off the top of his head when I asked him when he thought that council was. <laughs> so this might just show me as a nerd, but I think it's a really awesome story. Yeah. In the Council of Nicaea, they were the whole church came together. And they were writing uh, a statement of faith, <laughs> pretty much. Um, it's called the Apostles' Creed. You can go look it up. Um, and it confesses the Trinity. But there was a common heresy in the first few centuries. And a heresy is something that's wrong about who God is. Um, and it's outside yeah. Christian faith. Um, and so there's this common heresy called Arianism. Mm. And what it taught was that Jesus was not God um, and that Jesus was a man. And yeah. so it denied that the, the Trinity denied the, the sonship of Jesus. Um, Modern forms of that are the statement that God, that Jesus was just a man in right relationship with God. That'd be like a, a modern depiction exactly. of kind of what Arianism looks like right now. And you'll hear that in people exactly. talking. Yeah. And so um, it was put forward by a guy named Arius. And so then the whole church comes together. You know, Arius pops his head in there as well. Um, and St. <laughs> Nicholas in the Council of Nicaea slaps Arius in the face when he, began, when he was talking about God. Oof. And so, guys, that's Santa Claus for you. Yeah. And that's way better than him going down some chimney. Yes. So. That is way better. We're not uh, promoting you slapping people. Uh, that's not what we're promoting. And But there's something beautiful about um, the deep, rich history that yeah. we have. Um, that there were um, amazing men of God who sat around and ensured um, that, that we did not just let 
a wrong belief come in yeah. to what God has to say about himself because it matters. Mm-hmm. What God has to say about himself really matters. And we want to be people formed by what God has to say about himself. Um, and so there's something something really beautiful in that. And so thank you so much for joining us. We're going to finish our hot chocolates thinking about the beauty of the incarnation in the Christmas season. And we uh, pray that you have an amazing day um, and that you would be formed uh, by the story of God coming near taking on flesh, uh, living the life that you couldn't, dying the death that you deserved. Yeah. Um, because, man, that's changed my life. And I know it's changed Ben's life. Amen. Um, and it's an invitation to change yours as well. Mm. And so praying for you this week and hope you have an awesome rest of your week. Bye.